0: At first, they were like, all right, they're 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 absolutely obliterating Colorado State right now. We see what's happening. And then they circled Lindenwood on there. And then they at first, it was like, I don't think they had the whole story cut to commercial break. And they're like, they cannot get
1: teams to schedule them.
2: This is the Splitting Hairs podcast brought to you by Jackrabbit Illustrated.
1: Uh, Chris in Dallas, what are your thoughts?
0: You know, no slight against any team but we know who should get it done this weekend. And so given that fact, let's get everybody what they can. Let's secure the win and get everybody an opportunity to build depth.
1: Uh, So my offensive player of the game was Pierre Strong. I saw the team just named their awards about an hour before our broadcast started and they went with Oladouken. There's always a blocker. This week it was Garrett Greenfield. He was tremendous as well. You really didn't hear McBride mentioned at all. And I think he was the one that was across from Garrett the whole game and uh, good job, Garrett.
2: Now here are your hosts, Matt Tollefson and Kyle Sheehan.
1: And welcome back to the Splitting Hairs podcast, part of the Jack Garbutt Illustrated Network. Uh, presented by Drake's Place out of Bowdo, South Dakota. Uh, so again, Drake's Place, as the season is upon us here, uh, is going to be running some Jackrabbit themed specials on their menus, uh, on their menu. Also saw that they have a pizza deal on Friday nights. The pizza looked phenomenal. Uh, so sometime I may have to get out to Bowdle to get some of that pizza or get some of these SDSU and Jackrabbit themed uh, menu items. Kyle and Dallas, welcome back from Fort Collins. How are you guys doing?
0: Man, I feel great. Uh, got to see a lot of amazing spaces out there in Fort Collins. Got to see all you, all you guys, well, all, all the the uh, alums that traveled. Matt, I we, we were with you in spirit, man. You're with us in spirit. Um, but, man, it was just great. It was obviously great to get a good win, big-time win, in terms of uh, the blowout, in terms of... Um, you know, just how well we executed. Um, but overall, it's just great to see everyone that, that was able to make the trip up there. So it was exciting.
2: Good, same, had a heck of a weekend here. Wife and I had a wonderful time. Game couldn't have been better. Uh, that town, I tell you what, I'd only been there once for about 12 hours. That town's unbelievable. Everything about it, first class, really enjoyed it. Uh, the, the fans were getting a little lippy. Uh, their students may not have been the most informed student section I've ever come across, so that Definitely was not. crushing their hopes and dreams. Thoroughly enjoyed that, um, <laughs> and and actually I was going to add, uh, no, I'll wait until rants and raves. I, I have a rant to add, but great time. Uh, loved loved the game.
1: Awesome. Well, it looked uh, looked beautiful. The pictures I've seen coming out, it looked great. Uh, besides that freak little rainstorm that blew through, that of course delayed the game. You know, we I, just can't.
2: I had some some Iowa State uh, PTSD going on when that happened because we were down there for that one, and that was brutal.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So other than that, you know, I was I was impressed uh, with everything I saw on 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 uh, the game or on on the broadcast. Uh, I thought the FS1 broadcasters were first class. I thought they were complimentary of the Jacks. Um, I did write this in rants and raves that our fan base uh, right now appears to be kind of sensitive. I get it. It stinks to be called South Dakota. It stinks to be called San Diego state uh, repeatedly on these broadcasts, but this group didn't do that once. And there were some people that suggested that they were surprised at how the Jacks were doing. I read it more as impressed personally. I thought they were impressed with our work. Um, and the showing that we were putting out there. So maybe that's just me, but uh, that was the broadcast. How was the atmosphere in the stadium?
0: Man, it was awesome as far as like, and maybe this plays into one of your rants, uh, Dallas. So, but we were entering the stadium and, uh, you know, there's a lot of energy because obviously we got delayed a little bit longer. So it's like, you know, telling telling a little kid, maybe, you know, you got to wait for that Christmas day, Christmas morning to open up up all your presents and stuff like that. So, you know, they were a little anxious, but as we're ascending the second level to get to our seats, they start cheering FCU. And granted, everyone loves a great in-state rival. Usually they open with CU in in Denver at Mile High. Um, That game has been nixed uh, for a while now. But you got to know your opponent. You should probably not overlook them, but that's just the young fan base, right? A young fan base that hadn't been in their stadium in full capacity in 644 days. Right. So I want to give them a little bit of benefit of the doubt, but uh, you know, our fan base, as much as we don't like, you know, the team down South or the team up North, we're focused on an opponent in front of us. So that's kind of, it was kind of funny. I I liked where we were at as far as a fan base there. And then they left after like the second quarter.
2: That was the best feeling. Man, they just started to bail. You just felt it right away. Uh, I enjoyed, well, it was, was it Chad? Chad shared uh, a quote out of one of the major uh, Colorado newspapers that basically said that, you know, the the student section had the crowd electric prior to the game for the first time in 644 days, and then the game happened. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the vibe that I got from, yeah. you know, from everybody. And it, they, they showed up in a big hurry.
0: Yeah, they said uh, in a different publication, they were like, yeah, you know, it was it was noisy and it was a raucous crowd for two and a half quarters. And then there was a mere let's go rabbit chance mm-hmm. emerging from the, the second deck of the visiting side. And I thought that was hilarious.
1: Yeah. And uh, one thing that I've seen after the game Uh, CSU Ram Nation is kind of their fan account like we are and (laughs) they're tweeting that their coaches have burner accounts criticizing players and so what a mess mess. yeah
0: you know I did I did notice there was a lot of chirping going I mean emotions are high right they haven't they played an abbreviated schedule in the fall last year but the weird thing for me was seeing how like what in the rewatch you could see him up close and they're zooming in after the play and there's so much chirping. And I really like the composure that our squad seemed to play with right. Backus is one of those guys that plays with a chip. And I like that, you know, it's stylistically. But he's not doing things that cost his opponent in terms of how he plays the game and things like that, where their quarterback was literally getting in faces of other people. Whereas on the flip side, you see Chris, just composed. His eyes stayed the same, not too big. You know, the moment wasn't too big for him Um, and he wasn't trying to do too much and he wasn't trying to force plays, which I thought was exceptional. So another thing that I, that I really enjoyed about, about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did tweet that out during the game, how much uh, Centiel was chirping after every oh, play.
0: Every play and McBride too. He was one of my, I mean, he's one of my favorite, I'm a fan right out the gate. I mean, his, yeah. the tenacity that he plays with, like, He's never down like he's just going to continue to fight for that extra yardage. He's got great hands. I mean, they raved about he had like, what, 13 catches or so across um, the 100 yard mark. But every single time he was like, essentially, it seemed as though he was complaining about a late hit or this. It's like physical football, man. We played in the Valley week in and week out. I mean, I don't know what the Mountain West is like, but it sure got displayed on Friday. What type of brand we roll out there?
1: Yeah, I, we were the more physical team for sure like they, I mean, they were physical to too
0: out. and they were physical too right i mean they they had some some moments but those mm-hmm. moments weren't strung together like four quarters of play like we did
2: um, <laughs> I mean, just, uh, that was i don't say the best hitting game i've seen us play but man it's got to be close i mean between bach bringing the wood uh you know michael griffin just coming in over and over delivering hits uh
0: Gales on on one of the first series. That quick pass, Stalbert had him corralled, and he just unloaded his entire energy into him from about ten yards out. Yeah.
1: Graham Spaulding again. Graham always we just
0: flying <laughs> always. and box scraping. And I want to say too, our I, I thought this was exceptional from our safeties. Now it kind of could have hurt us a little bit, which I'm sure will get cleaned up. But there um, they were a couple times they were overzealous to f- on their run fits. But Manchagaya, you know, who's not known necessarily for coming up and fitting, he made a nice little fit on Bailey one play, and that's a 240-pound back. They continue to say, although on the film it kind of looked like he was a little lighter and, and a little more slight than I thought he would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think, fortunately we got to play Lepke last year, and that just kind of – I mean, we've always been a good run stopping defense. So to see those safeties also get in on the action was really exciting, I thought.
2: Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe he lined up. He lined up like he was Adrian Peterson. I mean, he was nine yards deep every single time.
1: Mm-hmm. That's something I noticed, you know, as a Packer fan watching film on A.J. Dillon after they drafted him. So so that's just something that he likes to do with his backs, is that single back uh, deep in the backfield, find the hole and go type of guy. So I thought their backup, actually, yeah. was maybe the... The player that gave us a little more grief, he was explosive yeah. through the hole, um, mm-hmm. and had some good speed. So, I'm glad they didn't use him as much as or used him as little as they did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, hey, let's so let's dive into ransom raves a little bit here. Um, we've kind of segued into it just a little bit, but uh, um, yeah. So, first, I mean, my first rave uh, has to be the 605 hogs, um, uh, you know. It, we shouldn't be surprised anymore. I tweeted uh, in, in the first quarter after the first couple of possessions we got to get going. 605 hogs are getting whooped. or, You know, it wasn't that aggressive, but it was just 605 hogs have to dig in. Time and time again, this happens. They, it, it's body blows repeatedly by them over and over and over again. And it just wears down defenses. And what a cool thing an offensive lineman to go out and be able to demoralize a defensive line over the course of a game.
2: What, what a cool thing that I realized going into this game. I was – normally when you you play a bigger school, when you play an FBS school, it's the depth and their size that come into play towards the end of the game. But I – from the minute this thing started, from before it started, I actually thought it was going to go the opposite way to where our size and our depth uh, on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball was actually going to wear them down, and that it happened.
1: Mm -hmm. I was surprised, uh, you know, uh, for their defensive line is very good, but they're all seniors and they have no depth. Like even on their depth chart, they just listed the one defensive end with no backup behind him. And I get it, like Patchen, he's a great player, a very good player, but to not have any depth behind him is just nuts. Like to rotate him out, at least to get a breather at some point. No wonder he was gassed.
0: Especially in past rush situations, right? I mean, you're going up against guys who are bigger, faster, and stronger each, each class, right? Each four years, because science improves, resources improve, you know, the the actual physical human that enters college football improves. And so I think it's, um, fascinating to see that kind of approach where you have a defensive coordinator that has his go to, maybe left end, right end, and they keep him in. And re- very rarely do they spell him unless maybe he gets a cramp, this, that, and the other. Personally, what I saw piggybacking off your offensive line play, I want to rave about Eck, right? Because if you look at the flow of his play calling, especially with a new quarterback, right? You don't have a lot of experience with him, you don't have a ton of reps with him outside of camp. But what you do have is film, you have his strengths, you have interacting with him. And what I saw, they were blitzing us like crazy, run, run blitzes, all different types of blitzes in the first series and a half. So what does Eck do? He moves the pocket. He moves the pocket, gets those over routes going, gets the DBs starting to have to kind of guess. Later in the game, you know, Jaden and Jackson were able to kind of sell like they're gonna do the over and then they hit him with a corner. And it was just beautiful execution over and over um in both the play calling aspect and uh the execution and vice versa right if you're not executing on certain things then coach Eck doesn't have the kind of the the bandwidth available to to set up different things so i mean kudos it looked like we were just flowing really well i mean we had a we have some things to clean up no doubt but it was good
2: i yeah i wanted, sorry i wanted to jump in on that one quick and just just agree with you kyle i after uh, I finally went and rewatched today, I, I hadn't actually watched the broadcast. Eck, that that was that was as good of an offensive game as I've ever seen someone call. Yeah, and and I fully admit I'm a defensive guy. I am not a schematic mind at, in the slightest, but he was inside of both the he was in the the the, the, the defensive players' heads, and he was in their o uh, their defensive coordinator's head. Mm-hmm. He had an answer for everything. I love the way when we went, when we decided to go deep, when we decided to pound the ball, when we decided to go play action, when we decided to go to the screen game. Like he had an answer for everything, and was one step ahead the entire game.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Kyle, I'm so happy we are like podcast partners because you get that whole strategy piece of the game that uh, someone who's never been in a college locker room or you know a college trailer um, wouldn't understand. So I appreciate that, man. Yeah.
0: And it's easy when, when the guys execute like that, right? Like, because um, early on, we were not having a whole lot of success uh, up the middle, but then when you, you watch some of the flow, when, when we started getting Chris out of the pocket on rollouts and over overplays specifically on the 40 yard, 48 yard touchdown by Pierre. Egan took a beautiful step to seal his gap. And then he had a fill in backer that he just redirected in the, and it parted like the red sea all Pierre had to do was not drop the ball and he was going to score. So um, Mm it was, it was great to see the offensive line just start to execute under what Eck was trying to do schematically. So, yeah.
1: Yeah. Dallas, can you pull up Brad's comment? All right. Uh, So Bradley Canning says some really well-designed plays, but yes, you still have to make the throw and catch really kept CSU off balance. And that's absolutely right. The players still have to make plays. You know, as, as my buddy Ben Fennel says, uh, X's and O's over Johnny's and Joe's. Or if you want to say Johnny's and Joe's over X's and O's, you can. But our guys still made plays, That, regardless of however you want to say that. Um, Chris Oladokun answered every question we had at the start of the year. Pierre Strong. Uh, again, I, I don't want to make it sound like last year was a bad year but he bounced back. He, he, he showed his form that maybe he had at the start of last year or even two years ago where he was quick to the hole and through the hole, uh, and those FBS secondary players could not catch him. That was pretty cool. Uh, the Yankees made great catches, ran great routes. You're absolutely right, Brad. So uh, thank you for that point as well. Uh, Lonnie, I appreciate that comment. Eck is the Andy Reid of the FCS. That's good. Um, we pull up Darren's comment dallas because this is going to be uh this is a rant here um the only thing that bothers me about the game is that there are a few times guys got behind our safeties yes and i think this goes back to kyle's point about our safeties maybe coming up and sniffing into the run game a little too much um we're lucky sentio did airmail that pass on the second drive of the game for them that could have changed the complexion of the game that stadium was pumped up who knows what happens if Wright catches that ball and sprints into the end zone. Cause we weren't going to catch him at that point. He's a fast player. So
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, and I think too, when you look at that, you know, if you look at the first play of the game, you got a 240 pound back all week. You've heard wrap up, wrap up. You better bring, you know, bring it when you come to tackle, grab cloth, get him on the ground. Well, first play of the game, Griff makes a tackle behind the line of scrimmage or at the line of scrimmage. Right. So his, He's amped, his juices are flowing, but you know the offensive coordinator's taking a peek at how that safety's coming up and fitting on the run to set up subsequent plays. And uh, a couple times, we also got bailed on one. It looked like we were maybe running a Tampa 2, for those of you who don't know, or I'm sure you've heard aspects of it, and I'm guessing here. I don't know if it was fully that, but the backers got to carry the middle of the field all the way because the safeties are parting, right? And it looked like the running back, I think, that they sent up the middle – was going to run a corner when the when Centeo thought it would, thought he was going to run a, just a seam a nine and uh that really that was another play that could have got us there i think that was when chad was was having question about but you know bottom line is lucky is good too right sometimes you got to be a little lucky um you know we dropped some balls too that could have just gashed the game open even more i was just watching the rewatch and uh, i believe kale reader gets some live action ball hits him right in the hands. Bach had a pick that he could have gotten hit him right in the hands. Logan had one that tipped up, you know, that's three picks right there and Reed walks into the end zone if he catches his and they don't, they don't score that final touchdown. So, I mean, those are all things that, that are excellent to see when you're looking to clean some things up. So that would be just, I think that's pretty much my only rant.
1: Yeah. Uh, the other raves, obviously that, that we had just, uh, going back again to the strong play from our top four linebackers for sure. You know, uh, Peyton Schaefer was right there as well, making plays, but Isaiah Stallbird, Logan Backus, uh, Graham Spaulding, Adam Bach uh, played a lot of snaps, those four guys, um, and looked really good in those opportunities. Yeah. I mean, I mean our four top tacklers, I believe. So
0: I mean, and it, and it was great because you're seeing three, four guys on every – offensive opportunity that the Rams had you're seeing hats around the ball and I really when we talked about our already with um, Griff and Gales when they when they were really laying some wood but I think you even tweeted it out Graham Spaulding brings the hammer when he hits like he just finishes through tackles and then to see Bach you know these are all young backers to see Bach on a fourth and one scrape to contain and just fill on Bailey and then Malik comes in and then obviously The colonel all night was wreaking havoc in the backfield. So, I mean, just beautiful things to see, uh, especially in in big-time moments. The moment was not too big at all. In fact, the moment looked a little bit too big for the home team, and that's not a slight. That's just – I was trying to, like, reassure fans from Colorado State the whole night, like, guys, I think you just caught the wrong team at the wrong time on your schedule because they're like, we shouldn't be losing. It's just that ego getting in the way, right? Ego is the enemy, a little Ryan Holiday action there.
1: Yeah, well, it. Uh, I was reading on either FCS Fans Nation or on the Colorado State Forum that this game was scheduled five years ago when Colorado State was actually decent.
0: Yeah, with um, McElwain.
1: Yeah, and so it's just that ebb and flow of programs. You know, those those G five programs that happens when coaching change happens, recruiting. You know, maybe flops for one year. There's so many factors that go into those G five programs that 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 can make them be great one year. And then the next year that that head coach is gone on that $5 million contract, to, you know, some Vanderbilt, like whatever. And yeah, speaking of that, Colorado state and Vanderbilt both lost FCS programs and they play next week.
0: I got a, a big feeling, you know, I coach Lee, he's the head coach, our former linebackers coach, uh, from, from the Oh nine, uh, Oh eight and 09, 07, 08 campaign, I should say. Um, so, You know, former D coordinator at Notre Dame, getting an opportunity at Vanderbilt, his alma mater. I think he's going to get run out of Canvas Stadium next week. And he's got a big rebuilding effort. Um, But that that Vanderbilt team just has a lot of holes in it to drop that to East Tennessee. Not that they're a bad team, but they just haven't really been on the national FCS scene, Mm -hmm. let alone this. But they have some good, good talent down there. So you never know. In-state team as well, you know.
1: This made me laugh. Wait, Matt is on FCS fans nation. Yes, Joshua, I lurk, I creep on there, I read stuff. There's some good information every once in a while. Some good, some decent opinions.
0: Of course, they <laughs> usually come from the from the Eastern Washington folks, though. Yeah, right,
1: right. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> hey, so, uh, one other kind of rant that I have, and I don't know if this is right or wrong, but I still, I'm just this goes back to Cade Johnson. I don't love having your one of your star no. players returning kicks or punts. I, I get glad it. To that up. It, there's an opportunity for an explosive play. I get it, but at the same time, it sure sounded like Landon Wolf was going to be a big part of our offense this year, and now he's done for the season on a punt return. Yeah, I I like
0: ha- I like having Landon there. I really do. I mean. He's there to compete and play the the issue that I that I have is like now when we put guys in who are big time contributors, um, then what? Because when you talk talk about depth, that is one of those spots that's difficult, kind of like what we experienced last year with the long snap situation. I mean, you really don't build a roster around those those small elements that make a big impact, right? So for me, didn't like seeing Isaiah. I love love that Isaiah caught and secured the ball at the four, but I don't like that he caught it at the four, and I don't like that he's a premier running back ours. But, I mean, I don't know what they do. I mean, maybe you get into some of your your younger receivers and give them a shot just as an opportunity because don't they still have the four games before you burn a shirt opportunity? So maybe you dip into freshmen, maybe you dip into younger talent. I know we got guys who can catch punts and at least fair catch a punt. You know what I mean? So
1: yeah, you just you would think that there's a young defensive back, wide receiver that can catch a punt. I don't
0: know. Uh oh. specialize in it, right? You know. Yeah,
1: right. Like, I mean, Paul Amundsen. like you exactly. have the former player feature, and yeah. he became an excellent return specialist.
0: Oh, I mean, he could have yeah. simply I mean, he was getting NFL looks just at that, you know, and that's that's because he was a star in his role doing that. So there's gotta be a guy. This is the deepest jacks team we've had. There's gotta be a guy that's ready to step up and just take that, seize that opportunity. Like, like Coach Luan says, Carpe Diem. It's Carpe mm-hmm. Diem punt returning. Let's go. I mean, this we weekend go.
2: could be a good, a good opportunity to, to audition for that. So hopefully we got somebody here to step up.
0: Well put, Dallas. That's, that's perfectly put. Because this is, you know, no slide against any team. But we know who should get it done this weekend. And so given that fact, let's get everybody what they can. Let's secure the win and get everybody an opportunity to build depth.
1: Yeah, definitely. Agreed. Um, Do we want to get into players of the week now? Or do we have some more rants and raves?
2: I got the one rant I had was honestly about, I like their stadium. I already already said I love the town to death. Man, were they not ready to have people back in that stadium. That's it true. Was, oh my
0: goodness! So poorly run as far as getting us in. They didn't check our tickets. Did they check no. your tickets? Nope didn't
2: didn't didn't check tickets. I was in line twice. It took you twenty five to forty minutes to get a beer or a hot dog at any point during the game until everybody left. Hmm. Uh, I mean they they did a terrible job. It was really bad.
0: Yeah, and that's tough too, right? Because the people work are probably working second jobs. Maybe they're university employees. They just got pouring poured rain on them. I don't know if you guys remember the national title. That was a fiasco. I didn't even get back in to the game until halfway through the return of the, the restart. So um, I mean it was tough on them. That would be a that would be a rant. I was even going up, I went up to one of the cops and I was like, hey, you guys are gonna be in for a long night because they didn't check anybody. This might be over, you know, <laughs> oversold or overfilled or whatever. Um, but you know, it is what it is. It's a college college environment, I guess. Maybe they wanted it that way, Dallas, because maybe they just wanted a just fully packed, overflowing house.
2: Could have been. It was more the more the wait in line thing that drove me nuts. Oh yeah, that was messed but, up. But at least they at least they sell beer at their stadium, so good for them. Yeah, exactly.
1: But Darren Darren has an interesting comment there. I like that. Um, so we are on the hunt for a natty. If we burn someone's red shirt, it's worth it. So isn't that that's a big that's a big decision for the coaching staff and the player and his family, right? Like that. Yeah. I I agree Darren um selfishly as a fan I agree um but I don't know say say for example and I'm just throwing this out here I don't know if he's in the hunt for it or not Tyler Feldkamp from Roosevelt who was a very good return wow. man in in high school is he someone that could that could get on the field and catch punts and and maybe get us some positive yards cuz he's been he's done that before I don't know so
2: Again, Lonnie's got a heck. Of Lonnie, I just it. <laughs>
1: with this. the
0: zingers. I love these.
1: That's <laughs> funny. So if you're listening on the podcast afterwards, uh, Lonnie, his rant is Garrett not catching the beer that was thrown after Strong's first TD run. So, if you didn't see on the broadcast, Colorado State fans were throwing beers at our players at some point uh, early in the game. That did stop though, right?
0: No, that was water. It's we're trying. We're trying to. That well, was water. It wasn't beer. But uh so for for us to be able to sell it at Dana. Um that uh no, yeah, but Pierre shushed the crowd at deservedly so um cuz they were yelling I'm sure pleasantries at him as he greeted them in the end zone and uh the offensive line comes up to give him a hug and everything and then they start throwing liquid on him. <laughs> Crazy.
1: <laughs> uh shoot. All right.
0: So, oh. So as far as uh, another, it's not really a rant or a rave, but it's just like maybe opportunity looking at the town of Fort Collins, obviously there's different elements that go into play, but I really think that Brookings is a very similar comp in terms of, you know, maybe what it could be, maybe talking 15, 20 years down the road. I don't know, but it just, it just felt like, I mean, they only had 32,000 in attendance, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, When we sell out Dana, like we did a couple times, right, it's 20-plus. The atmosphere is ruckus. I mean, we showed that we can play with Mountain West teams Mm -hmm. on the the football field, especially women's basketball, men's basketball, other sports, right? Like there's opportunity, there's infrastructure, there's things they can build around. I mean, what Brookings has become just in the last 15 years, Dallas and Matt, you guys have seen it since we went to school there, has been unreal. So maybe they can take some incremental growth and see those, other comp schools, at least geographically, that's kind of a comp, right? Only six hours from Rapid City, um, as far as the drive goes. I mean, there's opportunities there for for the school to kind of generate momentum like that. I think it's going to have to take some creativity, more involvement from the student body, um, which has been coming on strong. So, so there's great opportunities, Matt. And I know you sent out a, a tweet about some other things that um, that could be that could really help. And I know it wasn't uh, it wasn't uh, a shot at anybody. It's just we're, as, as, a, as a donor and as people who love the blue and yellow, we all have room for improvement.
1: So, mm-hmm. yeah. And so I do want to give a rave out to the former players, um, the former Players Association, the Hair Raisers, uh, us, and uh, the, the parent players, um, Austin Sumner, yes, for, for organizing the event and promoting the event at Brothers Bar uh, in Fort Collins, where people gathered. Um, I had tons of people message me and ask what was going on, where the event was. Pierre Strong's brother was one of them. uh, So that was kind of cool. Directed everyone to to Brother's Bar. So Austin Sumner, if you're listening, kudos. Thank you very much for organizing that. Uh, And again, JFPA Hair Raisers uh, and the parents, the parent players. Yeah, the players' parents. There we go. Parent players would be interesting. Yeah, right. We just appreciate
2: <laughs> well, appreciate I was, I was you. A parent player.
1: Yeah, yeah. I yeah. believe it. You can still play, dude. Jeez. <laughs> no. Yeah. Hey, pull up Mike's comment. So as we think about atmosphere. So, uh, Mike Schaefer. So, best student section attendance I've ever seen at a college game. How do we get our student section like that? Also, how about moving our student section behind the opponent's bench? <laughs> That's
0: no. very rational, Mike. That's very rational. The last part, especially. I, I would say it's just going to take some, I mean, the tough part is, is hunting season is so big, right? There's a lot of different factors that we're competing with or against. And then the regional FBS play, Iowa, Iowa state, Minnesota, those are kind of, you know, th- those, those pull some people, I would, I Minnesota more so now used to probably be Nebraska, but we know what's happening down there. Yeah. Um, but you know, those are some of the things that pull those students away. And obviously, South Dakota State is a little bit of a commuter school for a lot of those those folks. Maybe they go back and help on the farm, just different things like that. I think that what we could do, and I kind of put a just some thoughts together in a text thread or in a tweet thread. I do think we need to generate pep rallies because if the if if the fans don't realize, especially the students, they don't realize their impact, and they're not they're not taught we're kind of groomed at how to cheer and what to do. And like, it doesn't become a thing, then uh, then they're not going to continue and carry that over on Saturdays. So I think it would be really cool to get an actual pep rally going, you know, sell merchandise, sell beverages to those who are of age and just generate some buzz and excitement because the team is doing everything that they can, they can do.
2: So you right? and I, yeah, you and I, plus I think three or four other people at the same time, without any coordination on Twitter, we're talking about the exact same stuff yeah it's let, let's and, and mine was I, I think i was mostly just talking intro and some other stuff because somebody played uh i forget yeah it enter again. the sandman Yeah, enter sandman right Enter Sandman. And, exactly and, and how do we yeah. get people actually going nuts like that tell them what to do teach them yeah. what to do and again mine i love the pride more than anybody else i defend our band i i i talk so much trash to other bands because i think ours rocks <laughs> Do not cut to them the second the players run in the field. Uh, you know, get, get, again, teach people what you want them to do. Let's get people fired up. Let's not play. Okay, you got me on a soapbox now. <laughs> Let's not play a fifty-year-old song before a walkout because we love the phrase "out there in the fields" because that's going to get people fired up. Anyway, yeah, I, there's some stuff that we can do. I'm excited, and what you know, b- back to talking about rants and raves and stuff when you have people that care, you're going to get opinions. And that's, that's a good thing, right? That's positive. We're all in this together.
1: Yep. One thing, um, you know, I'll give credit to John Green. He's a, he's a listener uh, of the show when he was at SDSU, he started the barnyard cadets, I believe. And they tried doing pep rallies. Uh, you know, they, they practiced kind of like at Texas A&M where they have uh, yell practice or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I mean, they tried Absolutely. doing stuff like that. Um, and it just never caught on. So it's just one of those things that's gonna take time and but it's hard when your student body turns over every four years, you know right so.
0: And again, we' we're, we're, we're in rare air for South Dakota State and it's, it was great seeing those tweets by you know the, the old guard, people who have been there, people in media um, just just following them and them saying it's amazing how nobody we were like kind of an afterthought in D2. and now in D1, we are slugging teams, right? just taking them to the woodshed and that's going to give you a springboard into being able to build a tradition, right? Being able to build, um, opportunities for fan bases to just show up. Um, uh, but again, like I wish it wasn't that big of a deal, but if you sell alcohol at a game, that's just going to bring people because it it's a built-in atmosphere creator.
1: Right. One, one thing that I've been thinking about and actually had a conversation with a few of the hair raisers yesterday, um, we got to quit and it's not our fault this year, but we, it's so hard when our first couple games, home games of the year are against cupcakes and the games over by halftime. Mm -hmm. Like if I was a student at that point and the Jacks are up 38 to zero at halftime, I'm likely going to leave. And it, it doesn't encourage me to come back to come back. Um, you know, in three weeks for, for Southern Illinois, like as a student, I'm not thinking about how good the Valley is or that Southern Illinois is a really good program right now. Um, So gosh, if we could just get a home and home scheduled with a big sky team, like, like Montana state again, maybe Montana state will be better or a CAA team to come out and play us a home and home, just something to try to generate some, some continued excitement that it's not just a, patsy our first two games of the season every year. So.
0: Exactly. And you know that's a that's a function of teams not I'm glad they they talked about this on the broadcast, Matt. I think you were watching it live. At first they were like, "All right, they're they're absolutely obliterating Colorado State right now. We see what's happening." And then they circled Lindenwood on there. And then they at first it was like I don't think they had the whole story. Cut to commercial break and they're like, "They cannot get teams to schedule them." I, the I mean, same thought. Tarleton State bought us out and I'm sitting there talking to the TV and <laughs> Lauren's like, that's because they didn't do their research. And then the next after commercial break, they're like, actually, they can't get anybody scheduling. And right now it's, it's a big deal. You can't fly directly into Brookings. So that's yeah. tough, you know, because then that's extra resources for busing. It's extra, you know, figuring out where you're going to stay in, in hotels and stuff like that. So um, I guess anybody want to donate for a for a bigger regional airport out there?
1: All yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he's got deep pockets. Yeah, so this is a good topic. We, uh, we appreciate all these thoughts and, and feedback and everything. Chad, I agree, student tailgating needs to be a priority. Uh, when, I, when I was a student, we loved student tailgating. My, stu- my tailgating spot is still called the Still Hairs uh, because they tried to remove students at that time uh, from the tailgating area in the backyard. Uh, But instead we just put our money together as poor college students and bought a spot and then they still hairs. So um, that's the story behind that. But if, if they do want this atmosphere and I'm interested in SDSU football uh, because of the great times I had before the game at student tailgating in the backyard, it's unfortunate that six years ago, some beer cans were thrown at Hobo day vehicles were damaged Uh, people were hit by flying beers. Like that sucks. That should never have happened. I get that, but it's time to try to bring student tailgating back responsibly. Like the way it's currently happening is not going to work. It's not going to build an atmosphere and it's not going to encourage these young students who are eventually going to become alumni to come back to games. So
0: that's, that's the crux of it right there. And then also literally if you sell alcohol at in, inside the confines of the stadium, you can mitigate some of those things a little bit more, right? Because it's not—it's not as much of a chaotic kind of mingling of folks who may talk to these folks. You can kind of keep it corralled and sectioned, off, literally sectioned off in your seating um, and stuff like that. So, I mean, atmosphere is going to be a big thing um, that we talk about, I think, for a while because we we have that expectation now with a great product that we're putting out on the field.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, let's get into awards here. All right. Uh, so my offensive player of the game was Pierre Strong. I saw the team just named their words about an hour before our broadcast started and they went with Oladokin. So uh, Chris and Dallas, what are your thoughts?
0: I, I think it's the toughest position to play in all of sports uh, is quarterback. So I'm going to tab him. I'm going to give him a nickname right now. Obviously I'm just, just, it's just uh, I'm putting out feelers here, but I'm going to call him Chris O in the O's for offense, so Chris offense because he showed that he could do it all on, on Friday, right? Like I think that was my, the biggest impressive thing for me, and not only was it the, the ability to get outside and put the ball literally wherever he wanted to and needed to, but it was more so him dumping the ball when nothing was there. We, we've had quarterbacks who have a lot of skill like Chris – but would force the rock into positions trying to do too much rushing. You know, I mean, for instance, we, you know, when we were playing Minnesota, we forced the ball on a, on a bad Aaron snap and it was a pick six. And that kind of changed the complexion of the game and, and kind of we receded the momentum from there, but not Chris, Chris, the moment at the five yard line when he was, when he had a guy bearing down on him from the edge and he stepped up in the pocket and hit uh, Jackson for a, for a big gain across the middle, I mean, that poise and composure for him to continue to escape outside the back uh, pocket on certain plays when he's flushed from the pocket and dump the ball out of bounds and not try to force it to live to fight another down, that's huge maturity.
1: Yep. Um,
0: and then to know when to pull it timely, right? Everybody coming into the season saw his numbers at Sanford looking at those running stats, and it's like, man, is he a run-first run guy? Is he a pass guy? He is a playmaker. So Chris offense is my player
2: of the game. Same here, sorry. the One of my favorite plays of the game, and this is boring as hell. Uh, I forget, I think it would have been second quarter. There was, he got, uh, he, there was some tremendous pressure. Somebody, there's a safety kind of had a hold of him. And who was coming across? Somebody was running a drag and he could have tried to force the ball and force a completion, which probably would have gotten picked he threw it away in the vicinity and I was so impressed just at the way his decision-making there was fantastic. Like he Mm -hmm. did not, in the past we would have seen someone try to force that completion because it was whoever, whoever our receiver was had a little bit of a step, but uh, you know, backpedaling, there's no way he would have the strength to get it there. I'm so impressed with the way he played.
1: And uh, our, our, our partner from the B team, Ben, uh, on his Twitter put together a phenomenal thread of, some of Chris's top plays. He also put together a thread of Pierre's top plays. So um, check out what Ben put together there. I think his Twitter is at capping hard. Um, he, he, it's a really good thread to, that highlights exactly what Dallas and Kyle were talking about there. So check that out. Um, also on the offensive side of the ball, they always do some, a blocker. Now are we getting some feedback or is that just me? Sorry. I, heard, um, I don't know. I'm muted. Okay. It, uh, there's always a blocker this week. It was Garrett Greenfield. He was tremendous as well. You really didn't hear McBride mentioned at all. And I think he was the one that was across from Garrett the whole game and Panchin was across from uh, Aaron Johnson. So uh, good job, Garrett. You didn't catch that beer though. So. (laughs) It was an Aquafina. Uh, Yeah. Right. On, on defense, my player of the game uh, was Stalbert. He just impressed me uh, stepping into that linebacker role, led the team in tackles, uh, on Dyshawn's big hit, Isaiah was the one that actually made the play in space and, and held the, the, the back up for Dyshawn to come out and clean up. Uh, so that was kind of cool. Um, he just seemed to, he just has a nose for the ball. I don't know. He's going to finish with a lot of tackles this year.
0: And he had some great, he had a really like two, two specifically that stand out coverage plays downfield. One on the boundary where he's running with the guy and just pocket for pocket could and kept his hands off him didn't get flagged that's a big thing defensively we didn't get flagged for pi like we had in the past so we cleaned that up our blitzes were really really timely now um and and we executed the timing on them right so remember before they were like a hair too late um and now we were just just bearing down on them um forcing aaron throws to where the timing was all messed up and um Players of the game for me real quick, just offensive linemen. We challenged him uh, kind of towards the end of last year when he, when he was facing some tough competition, but Weskin Ant, I thought, played pretty well on the offensive line, along with Egan Lickis, I think, did, did really well, too, as far as really springing Pierre on a lot of plays. Uh, not a player of the game for me, but Aaron Johnson was real physical, too. He stepped up his physicality in terms of like finishing some blocks. Not that he didn't do it before, but I think that. He's shown a nice steady progression there. As far as <clears throat> defensive linemen, the colonel, he, he is what we thought he was, right? Uh, he to, steal, <laughs> to steal a little Denny Green. He, he's just disruptive. His rip move, his rip in his hips. So, like, when you're coming up underneath with your arm and your bicep and you're trying to kiss the sky with, with your fist there, he does an excellent job of that, but also getting skinny. That's something, that's something that big-framed guys struggle with and it allows you to slip through and he just keeps his feet moving so really excellent really fun to watch because rushing passers from the inside is very hard and he he does a really good job at it so hopefully he can keep that up uh on the second level i gotta go with uh, adam bach i think adam bach scrapes better than most linebackers i've seen um he's got a great build i think his ceiling he still hasn't really even gotten close to it so that's my guy
1: Kyle can you um, just for those of us that aren't aware what does scrape mean what is scrape
0: so scraping uh, is when the the play is flushing outside your leverage so let's say uh, if you're facing the offense and the play goes outside your right shoulder you're gonna scrape to contain right because you know you're you're not fitting that your particular gap at that point you're in pursuit mode so you're gonna scrape to contain you're gonna stay in the inside pocket so if it would be the offensive back's right hip. So you're going to stay in his hip pocket and get your head across Mm. the face. Bach did that unbelievably on the fourth and one play um, where he met met his man in the hole, scraped over the top of some of the trash, and then fit real hard and kept his feet going. And then the boys came to help. So Adam uh, is an excellent player.
1: Awesome. Good. Um, Special teams for me uh, was Brady Sorensen just being back. (laughs) <laughs> I, you know, I, the return game wasn't that impressive. Uh, from missed a field goal. Uh, but his kickoffs, Cole, Cole from was the special teams player for the team, and his kickoffs were out of the end zone every time. Colorado State had zero return yards on kickoff. Um, so that's that's phenomenal, especially with the speed at returner. So is
0: Brady number 45? He, no, he's not right. So he wasn't snapping he's not the short snapper.
1: Oh,
0: is he? Is Brady short snapping on field goals? He should be. Okay. He is. Then then he, I saw 45 in there once. I didn't think that was his number. Um, The only reason I ask is because on the first field goal with from, it was a beautiful snap in terms of placement, but it looked like he may have gotten part laces on it. So if anybody knows, if you kick any little bit of laces, it's going to kind of fly a little funkier. And I think maybe that might add something to do with it. So they're still working out that operation. It looks like, so we'll take a gander at that, but. Um, as far as other special teams uh go, um, Dustman getting some some real live action. I mean, I don't know what it feels like to be a punter on that kind of a stage, but it, I'm sure it's a little bit different at other pla than playing at other places. So I thought he did a good job. Um
1: for- Brady is Brady Brady is forty-five.
0: He is forty five. Excellent. Yeah. Okay, good.
1: Um, yeah, and we did get some questions on that. Uh we did say we we're gonna take questions tonight. Um, and so yes. Hunter Dustman did beat out Ben Dinkle for the punting job. Um, as Stig said, uh, I believe on the on the Stig show, as well as uh, in some other areas, that um, it's going to be an ongoing competition. Brady wants to win his job back. Or not Brady. Ben Dinkle wants to win his job back. But Hunter just out-punted him in camp. So... Uh, it's nice to have two punters on the roster that can do it. Yes, Ben did come in later in the game and kick one. I, I'm assuming that that's just uh, Stig keeping him engaged um, because Brady has been, or geez, Ben has been a good punter for us for two, three years now. So, um, But Hunter Hunter Dustman was a very very highly regarded recruit who did have a strong leg. Who his senior year did suffer a knee injury, so it's taken some time to get back uh, with that. Um, but he was, uh, I believe, like a five-star punter and a four and a half-star kicker, something like that. So,
0: yep, yeah. <laughs> and, and that's that's why I love having you as uh, my little co-host here on the pod, Matt, because that depth of coverage is just something that we're not really getting, you know, especially at certain classifications like us. And I did want to get to a question asked on on Twitter. Lonnie Har asked. Uh, about Tucker craft over under 55 catches. I am kind of remiss. I can't believe that I didn't mention Tucker because he looks like a grown man out there. And at times, if, if it wasn't for him wearing white, you might've thought he was McBride um, because they both really move. Well, they were getting open. They're physical at the point of, of contact and um, and Tucker's a a sophomore. So that's, I mean, we have a, we are the den of tight ends, baby. Like that's, that's what we're known for right now, running backs and tight ends.
1: At, at one point in the game, I'll admit this: I had it in the drafts to be sent. Tucker Craft's the best tight end in this game. Don't ask me. but, <laughs> yeah. but then McBride started blowing up, and I—he's you know. damn
0: good. Both of them are are both of them are as I mean as advertised. I mean, Tucker took that next step at least in game one It really showed he's a future tight end. He's definitely to be involved consistently. I think he might be. I like 55 as the number for a sophomore, but I think we're going to get enough games to where I think that number is more around 60, 65. Um, But again, he's got a every, he had one he dropped. I know he was upset about it, but he didn't let that affect him and played to the last play. Mm -hmm. Um, Little homage to the last play on the helmet. By the way, the helmets look beautiful. I really do like the rabbit on it. Uh, It's a new era. So I'm really excited. That was really cool to see. And then shout out to the Unsung Heroes in the equipment department, too, for getting the chin straps to match finally yellow, mm-hmm. match the yellows. Um, but I do think that he'll he'll have an excellent year.
1: Yeah. Um, so just to kind of, you know, we need to transition here to thinking about Lindenwood. Uh, but first, we got to thank our sponsor, Jack Arbit Central. Um, you know, again, they put out some new gear uh, right in the middle of last week. So go on their website, check it out jackrabbitcentral.com. Nice and easy to remember. Um, Just again, uh, the the best variety, high quality, um, and and great customer services we've experienced here on the podcast. So let's move into Lindenwood, Kyle. Love it. So Lindenwood, right off the top here, uh, the the obvious connection is Jed Stugart, uh, who was the head coach at University of Sioux Falls from 2010 to 2016 led them to a phenomenal record as they made the transition from NAIA powerhouse to division two, um, just did great things. Um, there, There is a connection, our staff every summer goes down to the Lindenwood mega camp. Uh, they host a mega camp down there that's attended by th- a thousand pr- prospects, it's huge. Uh, probably a hundred plus colleges are there that send multiple scouts or coaches to go look at kids. Um, it's just a huge, huge camp. So the, the fact that we continue to get invited to go down there to scout players, um, just lets me know that our coaching staff does have a decent rapport with their coaching staff. Um, so as we talk about this game, uh, we need to keep that in mind. Like I, Coach Stig has said before that he never wants to embarrass a team ever. We never want to see a Pine Bluff type of thing ever again. Um, so that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So anyone that thinks we're going to put up eighty points on these guys, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, what I wrote in the blog is that I'm going to just do my prediction now. I think we win like we, we score in the forty points. Lindenwood may score a touchdown, ten points somewhere in there. Um, but but we're not. That's not going to happen. There's too much of a relationship here between these coaching staffs that I think that it it just won't it won't happen. One thing on Lindenwood that I have found is that they do have a number of good players. They were a division two playoff team in 2019. They return a good quarterback, a good receiver, a smaller scat back type of running back, and then an all American safety and an all American linebacker. So they have good players. They have a lot of FCS transfers as well. There's a kid from Western on their defense, a cornerback who played at USD. Um, uh, I believe a linebacker or an offensive lineman from Northern Arizona. So again, these, these players have FCS experience. Um, they're good players that have played a lot of ball. They're, they're seniors. Um, so I, I, what, I, what I wrote in the blog again is I'm predicting kind of a, a Long Island University type of game, an LIU game, where LIU was transitioning from Division two to Division one um they play hard but they just maybe don't have the athleticism and the size at this point um to keep up with us so dallas kyle have either of you had an opportunity at all to to look at lindenwood or any thoughts on this game in general
2: just a little
0: bit in terms of you know what you were talking about with respect to the stugard connection so you you can tell that these guys are going to be well coached right um you know, they used to be NAI. I believe they're just D- NCAA sanctioned D2 now, correct? Mm, yep. Um, I had a former offensive lineman here from Texas who was a scholarship athlete for for them. Who's a big kid, physical football player. I think uh, they're going to be able to – they're centrally located. They have a beautiful campus down there. Um, as Matt was saying, they do a mega camp. They get a lot of exposure. They get a lot of traffic through there. So if you are a young player who's kind of a tweener, fringe player, or, or a uh, – a, a, level up transferring down uh from the fcs to the d2 level i think you know they're going to have some athletic ability on there they're going to have guys who can make plays and um in 2006 when i transferred in we got caught sleeping we got caught terrible conditions um there was a team uh it was wisconsin lacrosse actually uh we it was a slug fest but we couldn't do anything in that game and took an L and then we rattled off seven straight and you know we would have had double digit wins that year um, if we just took care of business uh, when we were supposed to take care of business so Matt you're very very confident in the guys I'm going to stay a little bit more even keel I say it's going to be fairly close and uh, we're going to have to do what we can um, to battle and uh, who knows how long uh, you know who knows how long it'll be a slug fest but I think we're going to have to grid it out you know I don't think any is easy, personally.
1: No,
2: I think these guys watched – you know, they watched the game on Friday. They're going to come in fired up. Uh, you know, I, I think that our our staff is obviously going to want to rest uh, some guys as early as they can. I was going to go in the, the 30-something to 10, probably, range uh, for a final score. I, again, you hit the nail on the head, Matt. Good athletes from what I've seen. Size is – is inconsistent across the line. Right. They, they've got some big boys, you know, they've got some strong kids, but uh, you know, in the end, I think you just wear them down and then we start getting some young kids some reps.
0: Yeah, I'm gonna go 44 to 10. That'd probably be my. I think it'll be close for a long time, Matt. It'll be close for a long time.
1: <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> a couple of players I did want to just point out here and highlight um, that I think are going to be interesting or uh, a couple things. So last week, Winnerwood did lose their opener against Angelo State University. 20 to 40 was that final score. Texas school, Angelo State. Okay, thank you. I wasn't sure on them. Uh, They, their quarterback, uh, Cade Brister is a good player. He's a dual threat, Um, but he was sacked seven times in that game. So that's a rough day. you know, the, they have a big wide receiver that um, that had a great year two years ago. His name's Peyton Rose, 5'11, 180. He had 64 receptions for almost 1,200 yards and 15 touchdowns. He didn't, I don't know if he didn't play in that game, but he didn't have a statistic in that game. He was listed on the depth chart. So he's someone worth watching. Um, and then one thing I, that I'm thinking is going to happen they have a converted quarterback at wide receiver, number 10, Alex Faudel. There's going to be some trickeration that yeah. comes from him at some point. Like, why Expect
0: not? Expect, that's an excellent point, Matt. I want to piggyback off that. I think we're going to see a lot of, if I were a team with matchup, maybe kind of gaps like Linden would may or may not have, right? Let's just assume they do. I don't like disparaging teams. That's why I'm playing coy right now stuff. But let's say they flip on the tape of North Dakota. That's the model that I'm going to try to utilize, right? I'm going to try to move the pocket because you're going to have to move the pocket against our interior pass rush. We're going to dent it, right? So they're going to have to move the pocket. They're going to have to get cute, um, you know, do a lot of trickeration, or, you know, maybe they don't. Who knows? But I think when when you have matchup gaps like this, you got to you got to pull out all the stops. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they uh, they have a big boy in the middle of their defensive line. Number 90 is six two three forty. And so that's going to be interesting to see him. We don't see many defensive tackles that size. Um, 340 is big. So, and he actually can move pretty well. He had finished mm-hmm. with 33 tackles in 2019 and two sacks, which again, for someone that big, uh, you wouldn't expect a sack on that. He had a quarterback hurry, you know, last week. Um, so they're disruptive. Like I think in, yeah. on their defensive side of the ball, uh, again, their, their player to watch is Drew Sears. Um, he's a tackling machine. Um, but he had 175 tackles in 2019 and 17 tackles for loss. So expect to see him flying all over the field. Number five, Drew Sears. So, yeah. Nice. That's where we're at. So my prediction prediction segment is brought to you by Shenanigans uh, down in Sioux Falls. Get there. Uh, I've heard the watch party. There was a number of jackrabbits at Shenanigans on I Saturday for a good time. Would uh, Would have loved to have been there too. That sounds like a lot of fun. So my predictions – um uh, was jackrabbits 42 to 7 42 to 7 jacks is what i predicted in the blog so Dallas, say yours again kyle Yours, you too 44 to 10 is mine good guys
2: i was i didn't pick an actual number 38
0: 10. all right nice. player of the game for me offensively is going to be isaiah davis defensively is going to be caden johnson who I want to highlight too for being a disruptor that we talked about and actually having a pivotal fumble recovery uh, in the game that kind of shifted momentum back to the jacks. So forgot about that. It was,
2: that play was huge. It was huge. Yeah, And I was amazed how fast he jumped on that thing. I mean, you could actually see the wheels turning in his head. <laughs> he looked at where the ball carrier was supposed to be. He looked at the ground and got down before anybody else. It was.
0: He's a football terror. player, man. Watch him. Watch how he. Watch his instinct. Watch how his burst. He's going to show up in the stat sheet for the Jacks
1: for a while. Nope. Yep. I, um, my player of the game here, man, who'd you pick, Kyle? I'm sorry, for offense.
0: Offense, Isaiah Davis. I think it's going to be a physical okay. run run game.
1: Yeah. I, I am going to go with Tucker on this one. I think we see a long catch and run uh, from, from Tucker on this game. So uh, defensively, um, I think it's going to be someone that's maybe a little off the radar. Um, maybe like a Malik Lofton gets a couple picks or something like that. Nice, so, yeah.
0: We took really good care of the ball too on,
1: on mm-hmm. Friday,
0: so that was that was excellent. And you know that's everyone: running backs, yeah. tight ends, wide receivers, quarterbacks. It was great.
1: Yeah. I hey,
2: really we. Want to see, I would say I really want to see a couple of those freshman running backs get a load of carries. Oh yeah. I would yeah. be. That would make me happiest uh, in <clears throat> on Saturday.
1: Yeah, I uh. I do want to put in a brag or a humble brag for our team here. We really nailed the what to watch uh, last week. So, um, if you if you, you really need to be reading our what to watches, um, that's one of my
0: favorites. Is the what to watch?
1: So, yeah, love it. It's a uh, we we nailed it last week. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> and for <laughs> those who don't know, we just do a little kind of give you a, a kind of a skeleton of what to watch for in terms of bulleted bulleted points. Um, on all sides of the ball and all facets of the game. So it's quick read, easy to digest. Uh, It's exciting. It's good stuff.
1: Yep. So just kind of a rundown of our week, the content that's coming out this week. Uh, The opponent preview for Lindenwood is already out tomorrow. Kyle is going to be dropping uh, a... uh...
0: Upon further review, just kind of a a little examination into certain things that either happened in the Jacks game and are kind of happening around the,
1: the nation. Yep. On Wednesday, we have our What's Cooking" from Tim Goldhammer, uh, chef down at Mitchell Tech and former Jackrabbit alum. Uh, On Thursday, we we leave that open, but Friday we'll have our What to Watch come out. And then B-Team, are they recording tomorrow, Dallas? Are they live tomorrow or Wednesday?
2: I do not have that. uh, They they have not given me their schedule, but I I believe they'll record tomorrow uh, and get it up on Wednesday. I
1: think typically it's Wednesdays when it comes out. Yep. Awesome. So, uh, any last thoughts guys?
0: Just got a quick little, quick little plug here. Got a few of these left. Uh, the splitting hairs and J I branded Yetis for those who you who are only listening. These are the two models again. So if you want those, uh, we're kicking proceeds back to the JFPA. So it all goes back to the athletes. Um, so yeah, if you guys want one, just DM me on Twitter. My handle's up here. Kyle at Splittin, S-P-L-I-T-T-I-N, Hares, H-A-R-E-S-J-I. Um, you can DM me there, and then we'll coordinate on how to get it to you.
1: Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Well, congratulations, guys, on having a fun trip to Fort Collins. I cannot wait till next year when I get to go to the game. Uh, it's in Iowa City, right? Yes, sir. Yes. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll maybe... Um, get down to vermilion this year for the game maybe that'd be another road game we'll see um but otherwise hope to see a lot of folks in brookings this this fall so um with that go big go blue go jacks Jacks.
2: this has been the splitting hairs podcast remember to like and subscribe as well as follow jackrabbit illustrated on facebook and twitter
1: uh chris and dallas what are your thoughts at first, they were like, all right, they're, they're
0: absolutely obliterating Colorado State right now. We see what's happening. And then they circled Lindenwood on there. And then they at first, it was like, I don't think they had the whole story cut to commercial break. And they're like, they cannot get teams to schedule them.